Welcome, Welcome to, to the Mixtape. I'm Valerie. And I'm Natalie. And today, it's a beautiful sunny day in Columbus, Ohio. And it's a fun week because Valerie got a promotion. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> so it's very exciting. Val, tell us a little bit about your new role. I am super excited. I just was promoted to the training and engagement lead here at Mix. So I will move from recruiting for our clients and working on positions externally to focusing on our internal talent, how we can continue to develop and grow at all stages of our teammates and career levels and, you know, just make this um, a great place for people to be long term and look at opportunities to help us make a bigger impact on the life sciences space. So I love I'm so that. excited. Yay, I'm excited for you. I think it's well-deserved. Valerie is very involved in a lot of aspects of mix and I can't think of a better person to lead that charge for us. Oh so I think it's exciting for everyone. <laughs> and that's a great lead into our episode today where uh, mixed talents Glenna Halligan will be talking with Jeannie Lloyds of, of Veritas about career growth and Jeannie's um, advice on how to grow your career and different steps to take to get to where you want to be. Yeah, when I'm talking with candidates, I think growth opportunity is often one of the key factors that they're looking for as part of a job opportunity. And um, that growth means something different to everybody. But I'm really excited about today's episode because this is all about career growth and taking steps to reach the goals that you have on where you want to be long term. And it's really cool to get an inside look at the trajectory of a sales leader and from Jeannie's point of view, from how she kind of made these big decisions in her life on on different steps that would get her to where she is now. Yeah, Val. Jeannie has a standout record of achievement in creating and leading the vision, execution, and strategic partnerships that allow for commercial success within both startup and established environments. She is an inspiring leader who creates cultures where teams are motivated to learn, stretch their performance, and positively impact patient care. So with that, let's hear from Jeannie and Glenna. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Glenna Halligan, and I am a senior recruiting lead here at Mixed Talent. And I am joined by Jeannie Lloyds, who is the vice president of sales for the U.S. commercial team at Averitas Pharma. So, hi, Jeannie. Hello, Glenna. Thanks for having me hi. today. Of course. Thank you. Welcome to the mixtape. Um, very excited to have you and, you know, very eager to chat with you today and while I've had the pleasure of working with you in the past, um, I do want to take this opportunity today uh, to give our listeners some insight into your career path. So with that, the choices you've made, why you made them, and how those got you to where you are today. So first question of mine really would be, could you talk through, you know, talk us through your career path and kind of with that, from your first experience of hiring a team of direct reports to now where you are, you know, building out an entire commercial sales force, what are the biggest lessons you've learned along the way? Yeah, no, those are really good questions. Well, I've been in the business, in the life sciences business, pharmaceutical industry, 
for over 20 years, and we will leave it at that. Um, I started out with a big pharmaceutical company, spent about um, 13 years there, and, and really worked my way up from sales to training to first-line management. I spent time at our corporate headquarters, as well as then moving into second-line leadership as well. Um, from there, I continued my career on to more of a mid-size organization. Um, I've also done startup organizations, and, and most currently, as you outlined, I am with a startup organization here in the U.S., but is part of a larger organization based out of Germany. What are the lessons that I've learned through that process um, in building teams? Well, if I think back to, you know, when I was a brand new first line leader in the field, um, I had I walked into a team that was established, so I didn't get to build my team at that point. But it was an interesting time because we had acquired another organization, and so we were in the process of trying to blend two cultures together. And so I had a couple unique challenges. I had a the obvious challenge of just being a brand new leader and trying to figure out you know how to do that. What does that look like? How do I do it well? Um, as well as bringing two sets of groups of people together with different philosophies, different types of cultures that they came from. And then I had very different tenured individuals on my team. Um, I also had the unique challenge of interviewing against a member of the team that then I ended up managing. So I, you know, I've progressed from there, obviously, and done a, new, a lot of different things and building out teams. But I, I think that the one common thread that I think there's a couple common threads that I would say really stand out. Number one, you just have to remember and find the confidence that you are there for a reason and that you bring skill sets to the to the team that you are going to be able to help them grow and become stronger and better. Ultimately, you're never going to be the expert in everything, and, and you don't want to be. To be an effective leader, you want to build a team that has individuals that have strengths across the board that may have expertise, whether it be analytically, clinically, whether it be in just being a great teammate and helping people uh, feel better you know, about what they're doing. But you want to be able to create a team of complementary strengths. And if you find that you're able to do that and you're able to grow and learn from them just as much as you're able to provide guidance to them, I think that it ends up fostering a culture that it, you know, really propels people to want to be successful. Absolutely. And to go even deeper into that, when you mentioned how you were a part of an organization that had just acquired another. So as we all know, you know, the pharma and life sciences, you know, industry changes daily. So from your perspective, how do you know really which company is worth the investment to take on a task of building out their sales force or, you know, joining them at the right level? How do you kind of weigh out those those pros and cons to make a move? You know, I, I think it's a really good question. And, and fortunately, the industry, you know, there, there's many options available to people that are interested in this industry and, and want to have a successful career path. But I think you have to start really figuring out what is most important to you at different points in your life. It may be that you want to be able to be in a large organization where you really get the infrastructure that's already in place, that things are a little bit more plug and play. The pace and the urgency may not be quite as fast as it would be in a startup organization. Um, versus moving to a startup organization. It, it's a very different environment. You're going to walk into a situation where there is no path. You're going to help figure it out. You're going to be tapped into wearing hats that you probably didn't sign up for, 
that are probably Mm going to stretch you out of your comfort zone. And so I think it's really important that you do some self-reflection as you're going through the interview process and really start to understand what is this role really about? What is this culture about? And and how does that fit with what's going to make me thrive and feel good about waking up every single day and being part of it. And and I often say to people, you know, there's often a common thread that people say, I, I want to be part of a startup. That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Until all of a sudden you're part of a startup. <laughs> and it's six months <laughs> yeah. later and you're like, wait a minute, this is a lot more work and a lot harder than I ever, ever thought it was going to be. And, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It, it's not for everyone, but it's the importance of, I think, being honest with yourself about what makes you most happy and then trying to find an environment environment and a group of people that you surround yourself with that have those same common values and goals. And, and I think that's the recipe for success. Yes. And so going into that with, you know, that startup culture and that mentality and let's say that itch, you know, to go from, let's say, a bigger organization that has those, for lack of a better phrase, processes and procedures in place and someone really wants to take that leap for you what gave you that itch and what kind of made you think like, yeah, I'm ready for a startup. I'm ready to kind of hit the ground running and be a part of something as it's growing. Mm-hmm. I think for many people, colleagues of mine, I, I think you reach a point where in larger organizations, you know, your voice matters and you definitely have a seat at the table and trying to help um, impact the way that we're going. But it, it comes to a point where you start to realize, hmm, If it was up to me completely, I may have done it slightly differently, or I may have um, included a different angle on it or some different types of people into that mix, whatever the case may be. But you find yourself in those situations where you start to feel something's missing a little bit about your ability to impact the, the greater group, if you will, the greater outcome. Mm -hmm. And your magnitude of impact has somewhat been diminished because of the processes or the systems or the the way that it's always been done at the organization that you're at. And so, you know, that's really what happened for me. I, I just felt that it was time to um, really be able to have a larger voice at the table. I wanted to help build something. I, I love building teams. I love building things from the ground up. I have found mm-hmm. that that is something that um, makes me want to get up every single day and, and, and really pass on to others. And, and that's hard to do. Um, and so I made that decision to do it and I never looked back. I've stayed in the startup world ever since then. And it's just something that I'm very passionate about. Yes. And I, um, I can agree that I think you can just tell even just by how you're discussing it and, you know, how have I've seen you, you know, with your career trajectory, it's definitely something that, um, you know, it's a big task at hand and I think you handle it, you know, very, very well. And so with that kind of going into, so you're, you join an organization, you know, you're there to build out the, the commercial sales force, think through the reporting structure and what roles are needed. How do you approach that? It's a big task. So, you know, how do you piece that together, look at it step by step and, you know, ensure that the, you know, the team is going to be successful and how you want it to be and also, you know, ensure that there's that cross-collaborative culture as well. No, those are really good questions, and, and thank you for the compliment. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it in a startup world, let's just stay focused on that because I think that's the, mm-hmm. the most relevant experience that I have to share. It really comes down to being um, 
in lockstep with your key counterparts. And for me, that would be being with our head of marketing as well as our head of medical affairs. I actually also run all of market access. We ended up rolling that into me as well. So, or else I would include them as well in in this mm-hmm. conversation. And and what do I mean by that? It's because you you really, as the head of commercial um, sales, you you need to understand what is it you know we're trying to accomplish. What is our um, positioning statement? Who is our target audience? What's the segmentation mm-hmm. of the market look like? You know, where are we ultimately going to win? Where does the demographic of the patients and the and the the providers that we're going to be targeting really where does that come together? And and that becomes really really important because as you start to understand collectively as a leadership team what it is you're trying to accomplish as one goal and and how, what are the milestones to get there, you now start to say okay in order to do that this is what we're going to need and and. You don't do this alone. There are, are wonderful vendors in the marketplace that we work with that help us do segmentation, that help us understand where the market opportunity lies, that help build out uh, workforce size of a territory, You know how many accounts a, a particular person can call on. But, but if you take a step back and just look at it from its infancy stages, you kind of start at that beginning place of working together and understanding what the common goal is and then saying, all right, to do that, we know we're going to need this type of sales rep. We're going to need this type of field access manager. And you really start to build from there. The sizing of it, that's all done with vendors that we work with. They help us do all the analytics to understand, do, do we need 50 sales reps? Do we need 100 sales reps? That you know, There's mathematical aspects that go into all of that. But it's more about the common vision of working together and how we're trying to build something that I think is where you have to start. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned it in your answer to just about those those expectations as well as what type of talent you need to join your organization and to join your team. So with that and having, you know, a team of direct reports and then kind of that that, uh, you know, structure leading into, you know, that reporting structure, I should say, what do you lay out for your teams as far as communication expectations or, you know, this is how we're going to collaborate, you know, to to ensure our success of either our products or our company, you know, our, our team as a whole? How do you, you know, lay out those expectations and what are they? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's really critical that you're one voice. And, and I keep going back mm-hmm. to this, but you, you have a commercial go to market model, right, that you've created as an organization. But you then tie that along with your cultural values and the behaviors that you want to have. And and the way that you bring everyone together is by being grounded in, in what our market model is, how we're going to do it, which is the culture, it's the values, it's the behaviors, which is just as important as the outcome, if not more important. And then making sure that you're incorporating the um, the strategic imperatives of the product and that you're able to really understand how are we going to execute upon them. And then it's all about consistent communication of the exact same three or four things. And it's coming from medical affairs that way, it's coming from commercial that way, it's coming from marketing that way, it's coming from sales operations that way. It's all about being united on the core elements of what it is you're trying to accomplish and not overcomplicating it and making sure that that is consistent and repetitive so that there's no doubt in anyone's mind what it is we're trying to achieve, how we're going to do it, and then how we're going to do it as a team. Yes, ma'am. Excellent. No, and and very true. And I I feel like I've I've seen you lay that out before, and I've seen that consistency just in your in your work for sure. And so, kind of going back to when I originally asked, you know, 
biggest lessons learned throughout your career path leading you up to where you are now challenges so challenges you face when when building out your team whether that be um you know saying here's what we need and how we need it and getting pushback you know from from whoever within the organization um how do you what are those challenges and how have you kind of overcome them or adjusted and pivoted to make things work well so anyone that knows me say I play whack-a-mole all day long, right? So challenges are, are pretty much a part of my world. Um, whack-a-mole yep. in the best sense of the, the way you can possibly pay the game. Um, but, but again, that's what goes back to making our jobs fun. You wake up every day and right. there's new opportunities in a startup world. But, you know, mm-hmm. there there's challenges that are always going to come up in, in the marketplace, whether it be with a customer, whether it be a roadblock, whether, you know, with a- acquisition of the product. Um, whether it be with payer access, there's always going to be the business aspects. And and for me, that's fine. Those are expected. Those mm-hmm. are normal. They're customary. It's what we're going to work through. And, and, and we're going to brainstorm with one another to find the best practices of how to overcome them. For me, the bigger challenges is when it comes to misalignment with our values and our behaviors. Um, that is where it starts to get challenging. Because it, if you have a sales leader, for example, that's leading a team of people, Again, I mentioned it earlier, I'm very big on what the magnitude of of impact is. And the higher you go in an organization, the larger the magnitude that you're going to have and on on both the outcomes as well as how you're going to get there. And so I I believe at, at our organization, we have core values and we have a set of behaviors under each of those. And I always kind of say it should be on every single person's desk. Whenever you're having a coaching conversation, you don't need to overthink this. You just need to look at our values and you need to look at our behaviors. And that's your guide because it is probably one of the best written that I've ever seen. It was developed by our parent organization. And it really comes down to if you get the people piece right, and you build teams that have the same passion, the same commitment to what we're trying to achieve, we're going to have all sorts of challenges business-wise. That's the nature mm-hmm. of the game. Yep. You know, we, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have jobs if we didn't have it, I always say, right? Right. Um, <laughs> but it's it really comes down to making sure the people piece is correct and that your leaders, most importantly, that are leading the teams underneath them, um, believe in the same values and behaviors that you do and are able to communicate and effectively coach to that. When that doesn't happen, um, as a senior leader, it's important to, to take the appropriate steps to make sure that we can hopefully course correct that and get everybody aligned quickly. Yes. And so you kind of, you touched on that as well, just even that that advice piece that you gave, you know, that you give to to your team, you know, having the core, your core values and, and those goals, you know, on your desk. So for someone who is, let's say, you know, very beginning of their leadership career, you know, maybe in that regional role, or there's someone, you know, listening right now that is a in that that area role, and they want to get to where you are today, you know, that VP level and having that opportunity to either expand or build something. What is your advice to them? You know, best steps, you know, to get there, you know, what to look out for? What's kind of just a a general theme you think of how Mm -hmm. to how to have someone get to where you are today? I would say um, I would take a two-pronged approach to answer that question. The first is from an experience standpoint. I am a very big believer in going sideways in your career to move up is the way to go. Mm -hmm. The more 
breadth of experience you can get by doing time in marketing, spending time in operations, spending time in different functions, the more effective you're going to be as a sales leader. And I know that the days are gone where it used to be you had to go spend time at quote unquote corporate headquarters and, and do some, you know, a year or two there, if you will, if you ever wanted to move into second line leadership. I, I don't think that that is as as widespread as it used to be. But but there is something to be said for that. There, there is some, mm-hmm. you know, truly intrinsic value you get from seeing things from a different lens. And, and that to me translates to the second pronged part of the answer, which is you've been clearly very successful if you're being, you know, you're thinking about moving up and you're being developed for that and you're being considered mm-hmm. for it. But just because you've been successful with what you're doing doesn't translate that you're going to be successful with those exact same skill sets in the next role. So the best advice I can give to people is you need to recognize where your strengths are, but more importantly, you need to recognize where some of your gaps are. And you need to be vulnerable enough to admit that, not be afraid to say, no matter what role you're in, I'm not sure about that, tell me more. I I need to learn more to be able to answer that question. Um, I need to be able to, um, I, I recently just told somebody, it made me remind me, as I said, the higher you go, um, the, the less you'll know. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, because you no longer are the expert in any one thing. The higher you go in an organization, your breadth of experience and, and what you have to manage becomes so much more vast. And you're always your goal then is to hire people that are experts in those particular areas that you're managing. So you want them to know more than you on that. That's why you're hiring them, right? Is to make that particular function the best that it can possibly be. You don't have to be the expert in that. You just need to have the 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 oversight and the leadership capability of, of identifying great talent, helping understand what the business needs are, and then most importantly, bringing everyone together again to that united collective mission of what we're trying to accomplish, you know, together as one team, regardless of function. Wonderful. Well, so I have a couple other questions that are more of a tradition here on the mixtape that we like to ask every interviewer, interviewee like yourself. So first part of the question is, what is your favorite interview question to ask someone? Hmm. And you don't need to give up your best stuff just because, (laughs) you know, someone listening to this could interview with you one day. But what is your favorite interview question to ask? Um, I I am not going to tell you that I have one exact favorite interview question because I do interview for many, many different functions now, given the, the, um, (laughs) the different areas that I cover and responsibility for. But what I will say, um, for interviewing, I, I think two things, number one, invest the energy Mm -hmm. and the time and the commitment. It is the most important thing, and that's so cliche, but it is so true. It is the most important thing we will do as leaders in this in any organization, I, and I would have to think that transcends industry no matter what. Um, so oftentimes I will have leaders through the years that will do one phone interview, and they will come back and say, this is the person I want to hire. Uh, to me, I said, well, you need to spend probably three or four more times with them, and then you need to get some of your counterparts and colleagues to talk to them. Um, It's really, really important to me to have it be a cross-functional and collaborative interview process, not so much just for us 
because I, I want to make sure that we are having, you know, um, multiple people really get to see what this person can bring to our organization. But it's equally as important for them to be interviewing us as a company. This is a two-way mm-hmm. street. And if they're only talking to you and then they join the organization, they really have no idea what they just joined. All they know is right. you. And no one mm-hmm. person shapes a culture, is a culture, or is a company. And so that is really important. The other piece of, um, again, it's not a question, but I guess the other thing yeah. that I look for is how much did you prepare? When someone mm-hmm. comes to me, if they're asking me basic questions, they could have Googled, they could have found on our uh, product website. If they are in the same therapeutic area and they haven't spoken to their current physicians about our product and asked about our company and asked about it, those are red flags to me. I want somebody that wants to build and be part of this fantastic organization with the same level of passion and commitment that I I, I have. And that starts with the very first interview. And so I'm constantly looking to evaluate really how much somebody has prepared and done their homework for the process. Excellent. And that leads me into the the next part of this question. And as you said, you want candidates to also interview you and make sure that that, you know, where you where they're interviewing for is where they'd like to be and stay there, ideally. Mm -hmm. So do you have a certain question or maybe situation from a candidate like that they've asked you something and you're like, oh, I never thought of that. Or that's a really good question. Like any any common theme or question that has been given to you from a candidate that you can remember? Mm-hmm. You know, you get all of the typical questions, right, which are, are mm-hmm. wonderful because they need to, you know, they're things that people need to know and, and understand. But but for me, it's, it's the individuals that are really seeking to understand a little bit more about the why behind what we're doing. Um, why am I interviewing with five different people on this team? This is so different. Why do I, you know, we do, um, we actually ask people to prepare um, a, a PowerPoint presentation and do panel interviews and allow them to present on fictitious business cases and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. The person who is curious, the person who is seeking to listen and understand and learn kind of the deeper level, those are the individuals in our case, because we're not just salespeople, we, we really are account managers with the product that we mm-hmm. sell. And, and those are the individuals that you start to really see um, separate themselves very, very quickly with our customers and provide that elevated level of account management that I think ultimately, you know, really helps us as an organization partner at a higher level. All right. And then last question. So probably be the hardest one. It's very serious. <laughs> what is your favorite song? Oh. <laughs> You probably know that I would answer. So I love country music. So I'm the I'm always that person. I love country music, even old school country music. You know, I love that when uh, I love Carrie Underwood. I love when um, I mean, you name it, anything country, I will do. Um, so I, I I don't know that I have one favorite song I'm gonna name out, but anything country, I probably will be listening to it. Well, Jeannie, that is all I have for you. Today, I, you know, I know that I could probably talk to you for another hour um, just about all the things that you've done and accomplished up to this point. Um, So first, thank you for your time and for being on the mixtape. And, um, you know, just hopefully we can do this again, not too soon, because I know um, 
you know, our equipment setup was quite stressful today, <laughs> but we made it. Um, but thank you. This has been a blast. And I'm excited for our listeners to, you know, get some some great advice and take that into their to their everyday into their career path as well. Glenna, thank you so much for the opportunity <laughs> to you and to Mixed Talent and, and just a, a personal thank you. You have been a an incredible <laughs> colleague and partner with me on multiple build outs and, and building our organization. <laughs> and uh, you've been invaluable. So I appreciate your partnership and the leadership that you've provided to us as well. So thank you so much. Thank you so much to Jeannie and Glenna for joining us today. And what awesome content. I love mm-hmm. to hear people's stories. And as always, we have a ton of takeaways. Of course. <laughs> so many impactful things that we've learned from Jeannie's story. And I have about a million to say, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, I really loved what Jeannie said um, when she was talking about finding that confidence that you're in your position for a reason and that you're bringing skill sets to the table that can help your team grow and be better and stronger. And I also loved what she said from a leadership perspective that you want your team to have strengths all across the board so that everybody has complementary strengths and that they can grow and learn from each other. And that as a leader, you can also grow and learn from your team. Mm -hmm. And kind of to your point there too, when she was discussing how you have to be honest about what makes you happy and surround yourself with that. Mm-hmm. The environment that you're working in includes those teammates that you have. So mm-hmm. you're going to learn so much from the people that you're around. And if you enjoy those people too, you're going to grow and become better from being in that environment. So mm-hmm. loved that point. And I also would say that I also really liked what Jeannie had to say about just the self-reflection in job searching and how important that is because when you're looking for a job, especially if you find yourself in a position where you're looking because you have to, um, you might feel like you need to jump on any opportunities that are available to you or you're just looking to see what might be the next best step. But taking that time to reflect on what is important to you, what is going to make you feel like you're thriving. And I love what she said, like, you want to, when you wake up, like what's going to make you most excited about what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, be, having that honest reflection within yourself is going to make you most satisfied at the end of the day when you've mm-hmm. been seeking out a new role. Mm-hmm. And to that point, what Jeannie mentioned about going sideways in your career and how that's so valuable. I think sometimes people are hesitant to do that, but mm-hmm. I think I agree with her. There's such great value in taking a sideways step just to simply learn more Mm -hmm. and see things from a different lens. And you might grow more in the long run Mm -hmm. because you took a lateral move to get additional perspective than thinking you're going to grow more by taking a step up. Mm -hmm. Like, what just awesome advice. I Mm -hmm. love that so much. I did too. Also, we've got some country to add to the playlist, which we always talk about these songs, but we don't talk often about the interview questions that are suggested or the favorite questions that people like to ask. And Jeannie gave us really good perspective and insight on things that are really valuable for that interview process. Mm -hmm. Primarily that time that you invest to prepare yourself for the interviews Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're going to be your best, most ready self for any stage of that conversation. And on the reverse side, for her team too, taking the time to really get to know somebody is so pivotal because you're not going to 
know them after just one conversation. So mm-hmm. having those additional discussions to really truly know who they are, if you can bring on other people in, it's going to be key because, like she said, no one person is the singular culture of a company. It's all made up by so many people. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I will say, though, I am a country girl, so I do like Jeannie's song ideas. Well, although she didn't give a specific song, we're going to throw in Shania Twain. We have to. Because Val and I love Shania, so we're going to just throw one in there for Jeannie. She also mentioned Carrie Underwood as a favorite. So she we'll did. Find, we'll find a good one from Carrie to yeah, add. Maybe one of each. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> also, Averitas just created their first LinkedIn page. So if mm-hmm. you want to give them a follow, I'm sure they would appreciate the support. And you can see what kind of things are happening with Averitas Pharma. And we're super excited. Next week is our last episode of the season. It is. It's our season finale. <laughs> we're rounding it out. So with that, thanks for being in the mix. We'll see you next week.